Delusions run strong on this podcast. Rish Outfield has them. I have them. Our guests have them. If you listen long enough, you will have delusions too. The Journey Into Podcast is proud to present this journey into a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A journey into Star Wars, featuring numerous delusions of grandeur. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Star Wars Delusions of Grandeur here on the Journey Into podcast. I am Marshall Latham, and I am joined by Rich Outfield, and uh, this is our post-mortem of the Star Wars celebration that we went to. We, uh, had high hopes of maybe doing a daily rundown after we were done every day with the conference or talking about it on the way back home. But this gives us a little bit of an opportunity to reflect, I guess. And uh, we're coming to you now to, to reminisce about last week when we went to Star Wars Celebration. So are you rested up now, Rish, from coming back? I am. I'm pretty much the reason we didn't record while we were there. I I got sick right before the celebration and I was always tired and I was always not feeling well. In an optimal situation, every night we would have turned this thing on and talked for a half hour, an hour about the day yeah, and what we were looking forward to the next day. I still have a cough and uh, it's just persistent. But we were mighty tired anyway. We were. It was a long day of traveling. Every single day, there was lots and lots of walking and standing, and um, I actually wore a hole through one of my shoes, Wow! which I, <laughs> I didn't discover until I went for a run two days ago, and I was like, what is wrong with... Oh, you uh, had recorded a... Uh, if somebody is not a, a Patreon supporter of yours, you recorded a big address, I suppose, on your way to picking me up. Yeah that morning you were talking about your expectations and not having too high expectations and you likened it to marriage and life and you know raising children and trying to see the glasses half full kind of thing and and I wanted to ask you what kinds of things did you expect going down and then how similar to your imagination was it or how different did it end up being yeah You know, I wasn't sure what to expect. I'd never been to something this big. Some of the precursor to going down, you know, with the stuff, we we realized that uh, the panels were not going to be as accessible as I had hoped, I guess, hearing about other celebrations and things like that. And so I was a little bit worried about that. But as you talked about in your Patreon address, we both (laughs) thought that we had an in that both of us would be going to the first day's Lucasfilm Studio Showcase because we had joined in on a on a group number and had won the lottery for that particular panel. So at least I knew, okay, one panel we'll be able to go to. So that was good. And I figured we'd get into a lot of the smaller ones. I was expecting... We never went... I don't know if you did, but I never was even in the area where they were doing autographs and photo ops and things like that. I 
thought there might be an opportunity to like see what the lines were like. And maybe if I wanted to try to get a picture with somebody that I would get in line and wait for that or something like that. I didn't have anybody. I mean, yeah, it would have been kind of neat to get a picture with Anthony Daniels or Ian McDermott or something like that. But as we talked about in the the pre-celebration show, we also knew that, you know, those are pretty hefty prices as well. But I thought, well, maybe I would on a whim decide, you know what, it's worth it. I'm going to go do it. But I think those reservations for all those photo ops and stuff, I think were filled up before we even got there. Right. I had looked over the big list of, of, of guests and such. And Ewan McGregor, I think, was the first one to sell out like two weeks before yeah. the weekend. His said sold out. And I, I'm not sure if that was just photo ops with him or if it was also autographs. But just like you, I never saw that room either. The, the Anaheim Convention Center was really big, but it was also multiple levels. And I've not been to a, a lot of uh, conventions that are like that, where you, you know there's another thing going on upstairs and there's a, a level above that and there's a level above that. And at one point, you and I and my cousin Ryan went down to the basement and you could see way up at the top of the room the windows that were <laughs> to the outside world, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I know that there was a, there were maps on every level, but I never looked to see where the autograph sessions were. And there was one place uh, th- where it was just tattoos. They had a bunch of tattoo artists there and you could go get a Star Wars tattoo if you wanted, or I mean, I suppose you could get a Willow or Indiana Jones or a, Battlestar Galactica tattoo if you wanted to, but uh, <laughs> they had put something down on the floor of that section to cover the floor. And I realized it was, you know, because people tend to bleed from tattoos. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe it's ink also uh, tends to drip. But I just found that really strange. There were game rooms where people could play board games. There were places where the kids could go. That was all kids activities and things that were going on each day. I never went in there either. Then of course there were all the, the various screening rooms. And I, I, let me see if I can remember there was the galaxy stage. Was that the big one? Uh, The biggest one was the celebration stage. Oh, okay. The celebration stage was the one with all the level levels and the balcony and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so that that was the main one where most things happened. But then there were these two rooms that were huge that they would rebroadcast, not rebroadcast, what do they call that? Simulcast, let's say? What stream, was going on? Stream it? Oh, sorry, it's the 21st century. They, they would stream, <laughs> they would zoom what was going on in the celebration stage, uh, in the galaxy stage and the twin suns stage. Yes, that's correct. Then there were also panels and presentations going on in those rooms the rest of the day. And um, I wish that I had known where all those places were because I, I was constantly lost. And luckily I wasn't alone, but I would have to ask employees or volunteers how to get to places. And as the weekend went on, those volunteers' answers got a little bit better. <laughs> And we got a little more savvy. But that first day, you could ask somebody where something was and dollars to donuts. They would say, 
I don't know. <laughs> be like, oh, all right, you got here after us, I take it. Or yeah, or they'd say, oh, that's you have to go down to the E deck, eBay or whatever. And uh, so we'd get there and they'd say, oh, no, you want to go there? Oh, no, you got to go all the way over to A. And we're like, we were halfway there just a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, when we first got there, we stood in this line to get in the building. And then everybody was going their separate ways. And we wanted to go to that very first panel that was all the way over in the celebration stage. And they told us, oh, well, you need to exit the building and go around. And we're just like, but we just stood in line to get in the building. Right. <laughs> yeah, that first day was nuts. Yeah, it got a little bit better, but I, I was never quite orientated, as they say. Yeah. And uh, once we had been there a couple of days, I could find my way around the, uh, the big vendor floor. Yep. Oh, okay. I remember where the artist's alley was, or oh, I remember where a, a certain booth was. Or, oh, I, you can always see the giant Tie Fighter. They had a full-sized classic Tie Fighter that you could take a picture with, and it was always easy to see that. You just turn around, and it's like, okay, where is the? Oh, there's the Tie there Fighter. Now I know where I am. <laughs> yeah, I never took a picture with it. I don't know if you did. I did. It was just mostly just a selfie with me pulling my mask down and. And trying to get the whole thing in. There was a line if you wanted to do like an actual photo in front of it. And I, I wish that the three of us had stood in that line and got a picture of us because it was so huge. You know, the idea of a TIE fighter, I'll bet they never built one in the original trilogy, right? I would doubt it. Yeah, it was probably all miniatures. Probably just the cockpits. You know, we think of the X-Wing as being large, the Millennium Falcon as being huge. But I've always thought of TIE Fighters as being small, and it was not. It was really impressively large. There, were, there was so much stuff to see that uh, even though it was a four-day convention, I probably only saw half of what there was. And every time you'd look out those giant windows, they, they'd have two or three-story tall windows, it seems like, in the front of the building. You would see more people cosplaying out front and posing for pictures and stuff. And... Somebody could have a good weekend just going out there and sitting on the stairs and taking pictures of people in awesome costumes. Yeah, you could. I feel like I'm bouncing all over uh, for the weekend. <laughs> but uh, Well, I guess we started out talking about expectations. and Yeah, and, and that's something we, we did our episode, the, the pre-celebration episode, and I said luckily that there are going to be three of us, so we'll be able to get into everything that we want. And... That turned out not to be the case. And I think that if I had it to do over again, I, I probably would have been able to get into everything. Like that very, very first panel, the, the, the lottery one, it was the Lucasfilm Showcase. It was being streamed in the two huge rooms at the same time. And if I had known where one of those rooms was, I might have been able to get there and, and go to it. Yeah. The thing is... I shouldn't have had to. You texted me and said there are still plenty of empty seats. There were. And that was when it started, there were still empty seats, and they they didn't let us in. They just told us to get lost. And I found out later in the, the, the week that if you were stubborn and you stuck around even after they told you it was full, they would scoot people together. They would say, hey, raise your hand if you've got an empty seat. And then they'd find 
people to sit in those seats. Yeah. And so if you just hung out and waited, you'd probably get into everything except for the Obi-Wan screening. And I'll bet there were empty seats for that too. Yeah, there. it was about the same as when I was there in the morning. And so let's get into that a little bit. You, you went into it a little bit in your Patreon address, but uh, because we had won the lottery, you know, I got an email saying you won the lottery. And previously, I when I signed up for the lottery, it said it had this whole big thing about, okay, if, if you get this group ID and you give this group ID to your friends, then they enter under this same group ID, then you'll be able to all go to the same panel. And so since I had won the lottery and got the email, we thought for sure, well, I didn't realize that Ryan had not used that or hadn't applied to the lotteries. I thought both of you had done that, but I knew at least you had gotten on and used the group ID and put in for that same lottery. And even though you didn't get an email and you didn't have a ticket, well, I wasn't, I guess we found out maybe at the the celebration that you didn't even have it in your, your app or whatever. And so, but I thought, well, surely we'll just be able to talk to somebody and they'll be able to say, oh, okay, yeah, this, this, they'll look it up on their computer. They'll say, okay, yeah, this group ID, you know, you have the email. So yeah, your, your group can go. And when we got there early to get our wristbands and to get Ryan's tickets that were in will call, I did ask a couple people that weren't helping anybody, you know, about that. And they said, oh, we don't know anything about that. I thought, oh, well, surely somebody conference center will know. But uh, as we found out, there were very few people, especially on that first day, that knew anything. And they'd say, no, you, it, you, unless you have an email or with a URL code, QRL code, you you can't go in. But I just knew if we just kept asking people, the closer we got, they'd all it'd all work out and we'd be able to go into the panel. But right at the very end, when it was the line, you know, that you had to show your QRL code and you didn't have one, and even though you were in, in the same group, they, they wouldn't let you in. And that was frustrating. But then we figured, well, okay, you guys can get in on standby. And that's when you got told there were no more, there was no room left or whatever. But yeah, as I was sitting there on the celebration stage, I would look up and there was the, like, I was like on the tier two. And then above me, there was another thing. And then way up, there was another balcony. And when I first sat down, that top balcony was barely even filled. But people kept going in. But on the on the sides, not even on the balcony, but the tier above me too, around the sides of the stage where you can't see everything as well, but you could at least be in the room and see what was going on, That those never filled up even once it started. There was plenty of room for people to get in. And I had two seats right next to me, too. Because I figured, you know, when you guys get in on standby, I'll have two seats waiting for you and you guys can come sit down next to me. But it was not to be, I guess. Well, it was frustrating. And the lottery was there so that it would make things easier, so that people wouldn't have to start lining up early, early in the morning but maybe that's better. Maybe just, hey, if you really want to go to that panel, you'll get there as soon as the doors open. Uh, we had to wear masks. And then we also had to have either a proof of vaccination or 
a negative test. Yes. And so we got up at, was it six o'clock a.m. that first day? Thinking that the line yeah, might be... Yeah, I think be... we were at the center by 6.30, I think. Also in that Patreon address that I'm going to keep referring to over <laughs> and over and over again, you complained about how lousy, that's not the word you used, uh, social media is and how it eats up your time and makes you, it makes you old and... And it's just the source of all things terrible. But I found social media to be a godsend that weekend. People would say, here's where you can park and it's cheaper. Or it took us X minutes to get into the Mandalorian experience. Or, or this is how the wristbands work. That, that was really, really cool uh, for me. Just to, to ask a question and to actually have it answered or to see that other people had the same experience or the same question and the the wristband thing was so well organized or we got up at six in the morning <laughs> one or the other because it took us i don't know five or six minutes to get to where they gave you your wristband <laughs> 12 seconds to get the wristband and then it would have taken us five or six minutes to get back to the car and who knows how much more time to get out of the building we did, I didn't mention it, but it was free to park there for 20 minutes. But anything over 20 minutes, so 21 minutes plus, it was $35. Yeah. And I, I don't know if we argued, but the idea of, okay, we've got a minute and a half to get out of this building. It just, I don't know how anybody could do it. You'd be so angry and so frustrated. And if there were even three cars in front of you, you wouldn't make it. Yeah. And so we decided, let's just leave the car there and not worry about it, even though it was insanely expensive to park. And then we couldn't even find the building that afternoon. I don't <laughs> We We went, was that that day or is the next day? No, I'm thinking the next day. Yeah, huh? yeah. We, we learned early on, make a note of where what level we were parked at, what color, what section because there were just so many parking spots, it's really easy to lose your car. Yeah, it was funny with the parking, because so the, the first day we parked in the Marriott, because that's where the wristbands were, and that was $35. The next day, we figured out that, oh, hey, if we park in the convention center parking, it's only $20 a day. And so we parked there for the rest of the day, or rest of the time. But then the last day, we figured out, oh, we could have come in this back way and it wouldn't take as long. We wouldn't have to loop around and, and do a U-turn and come back into the thing. And it was so much easier <laughs> that last day. We finally had it nailed down. And uh, yeah, that was kind of funny. Every day we'd get a little bit better. <laughs> so. Yeah, we were old pros by the time that thing was closing up. Yeah. Again, that, that's something that social media was helpful for with me. Uh, they were no, the I ones agree that, that told being, us. Being on that Facebook group for the convention was a huge and I even you know talking about our lottery and trying to get those group tickets I had posted on there and asked people you know hey I got the email but my friend didn't how is this going to work and I was kind of encouraged by that because some people said oh that happened to me too but uh you know we looked and and my wife actually had her ticket it just she didn't get an email or people you know said oh it'll work out but there was one guy that posted on the on there and said something, you know, which ended up, I guess, being true or whatever. They said, no, the group ID doesn't guarantee that you're, that 
you'll get in only if you get an email. But other people were arguing against that. So. Well, it was the first panel of the first day. If we had won a lottery to some other day, I think some of those issues would have been sorted out. I do, yeah. By then. I agree. We talked, I, you would see the same faces as far as the employees or volunteers went day after day. Like somebody would be assigned a section. And I think as they had been there and, and had questions asked of them, they, they became savvier. I, I told the story, and I'm going to tell it again, of when they had the big Mandalorian panel which we, we didn't have lottery tickets to. That was first come, first served. We went to the back of the line, and there was a guy there, and uh, he said, look, I, I just if you guys want to waste your time, you can, but there is a zero chance of you getting into this panel. In fact, there is a less than zero chance. And I should have asked him, you know, I say, hey, I have a calculator on my phone. How does less <laughs> than zero chance work? But I didn't. I just took his word for it. And so all of us that were after a certain point just left and th thought, okay, we'll go find something else to do. But later that same day, I got in that same line for a later panel and I saw him and I said, hey, I was part of that group that you told this morning that we had a less than zero chance. of." And the look on his face changed when I said that. <laughs> and I said, did any of those people get in that you said? And he says, yeah, I'm so sorry, man. All of them got in. I, I apologize. I, I had no idea. You know, I, they, they told us the place was full after a certain point, but then they could still let hundreds of people in after that. I, I'm so sorry. And I could tell he was sincere right. about his apology, but it just made me angry because I could have, we could have, gotten into that Mandalorian panel and seen all that stuff if we had known that that was the case. And after that, I never missed out on a single panel. Yeah. Because I just got in the line, and even if they said the line is capped, I would just hang around, and sure enough, they would find space for another 50 people, another 30 people. Yeah. There was one where they had filled all the room said there's no more seats at all, but if anybody doesn't mind standing, we're going to let a whole p group of people stand against the back wall and watch the panel that way. And you didn't go with us. Ryan and I went in, and while we were standing against the, the line, they said, oh, there are three or four empty seats. Do any of you standers want to sit? Oh, no. <laughs> and I was so mad because had you been there with us, you would have been able to sit. Yeah. Even then, when they had counted up and said, the room is so full, it's standing room only, even then, there was room. And so that, that is frustrating to know that you could have made it, but uh, you didn't. Yeah, I think that was on the second day, and by the, it was towards the end, and by then my feet were, were hurting pretty bad. And so I was like, I, I can't stand through a panel. I, I wanted to sit down. But I should have gone, I should, I, you know. Well, I wish you had been able to go in that. I know I'm jumping all over, but it was hard to stand for an hour. Standing in a line or walking is one thing, but to just stand still is somehow much harder. Yeah. Well, should we should we go through the panels that we did get into? Well, I'm I'm curious about that very first panel. I know that 
there were people that filmed it or put it on, you know, recorded it on their phones and then uploaded it. But when I went to look for some of that stuff, it had been removed. Yeah. And so if you could tell me about the studio showcase, that was the big one that I wanted to go to that very first day. Yeah. So it started out with like a little video montage that showed Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, you know, all these people, mostly from the sequel movies, you know, and their acting, you know, and it had voiceover, you know, lines from different movies and things like that. And that was really cool. That really amped me up for the panel. And then I had noticed before the panel started, there was a bunch of people that were coming out and they were all wearing nice suits and everything. And they were standing around like, man, they're really serious about security for this panel. And I was like, wow, it's all these men. And then I saw some women too. And they were kind of milling around and people were pointing at the go over here kind of thing. And then I didn't pay any attention because they started the video montage. Well, why the video montage was going on, all these people went up to the front of the stage or under, you know, just in front of the stage. And as soon as the video montage was over, they spotlighted or, you know, put the lights on this people and they were a choir and they started singing Duel of the Fates, you know, and it was loud and uh, really cool, really exciting. And I totally spaced that. Even later that day when I was telling you guys about the panel, I'd forgotten all about that, how it started. So yeah, that, that was a great way to open the panel. So it started out, I can't remember, I think, uh, I can't remember her name. Who's the girl, the lady from Community? Shirley. That's nice. Yeah. Yvette Nicole Brown. Yvette Nicole Brown, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, so Yvette Nicole Brown was the... MC for that event and she was starting up the panel she goes and we can't start it out unless we thank the maker and so here's a little little message from George Lucas and they put it up on the video and it was George I, I swear he probably wasn't even on the screen for 30 seconds it was just George Lucas sitting in his office or whatever and he's like hey welcome to celebration and it's great that you're able to celebrate Star Wars and uh, it's great and uh have a good time see you later bye you know i mean i'm sure he said something more significant than that but that's what it seemed like i mean it was super super quick he he didn't elaborate or say anything it was like you know he he was told that he it was a contractual obligation that he had to welcome us to the lucasfilm showcase panel not that he was unpleasant about it but it was just super super short so that kind of made me laugh yeah, so Yvette Nicole Brown had various different people come up on stage. I'm trying to remember the very first... Well, she, she had Kathleen Kennedy come out, and Kathleen Kennedy said a few words. And then I think the first group of people they had out was the people that were involved with the Andor series. And so they had Daniel Luna and... Oh, I can't remember. Mon Mothma come out. I think her name's Gwenevieve O'Reilly. Yeah, Gwenevieve O'Reilly is her name. Oh, and then the director, Tony Gilroy, came out and talked about it. I guess it's going to be a 12-episode series. There's going to be two seasons, both of them 12 episodes. And they talked They talked about the characters, and it's going to be a, kind of a parallel thing where they're going to be talking about Cassie and Andor and Mon Mothma and kind of her path. And 
he was a pretty engaging guy. I guess I've never really seen a lot of stuff with Tony Gilroy, but he was a pretty dynamic guy, pretty excited, you know, got everybody excited about stuff and really talked it up. How old a guy is Tony Gilroy? Oh, he's probably late 40s, early 50s. Okay. Somewhere in there. And that, and they showed a trailer for that, and that looked really good. I've always kind of been attracted to that one because it's that rebellion era, right, where the the beginnings of the rebellion and stuff. Uh, so that was fun. They uh, said that we could go somewhere and get an Andor poster when we were done, and so that was kind of cool. And then I think the next one they brought out was the, the Dave Filoni and John Favreau about the Mandalorian. Just those two came out, I think, and they talked about. You know, this is the first time there's been a celebration since the Mandalorian came out. We haven't had a chance to come out and talk to the fans and meet the fans about it. And you know, they talked about you know the phenomenon of <laughs> Baby Yoda and the success of the show, and they were excited about all the things that happened with both seasons. They talked about Boba Fett too, um, but mostly about the the Mandalorian. And then they showed a little trailer for season three of the Mandalorian, and. Uh, before they left, they talked about this exhibit that they had brought up. John Favreau said that he really wanted to bring everybody, because I guess they're filming down around Huntington Beach or something like that, which isn't too far from Anaheim. And so he says, I really wanted to bring everybody onto set and show them all the stuff that we're doing. He says, but, you know, we can't do that. <laughs> It'd be too much chaos and all that stuff. He says, so we thought we'd bring the Mandalorian experience to you. And so we have this special exhibit that uh, we're, it's going to be here during the entire celebration. And you can make reservations at one o'clock today. And so that they kind of, that was kind of exciting. And then they left and then they uh, brought out Ron Howard and another guy. I can't remember his name. Clint Howard. But uh, please say it was Clint Howard, like a the director or writer or something of the new Willow series that is going to come out on Disney Plus. You know, Ron Howard talked about his kind of his history with Willow and directing and all that kind of stuff. Of course, then then they brought out Warwick Davis to talk about, it, and he's always fun. You know, has a lot of fun with people and makes jokes and stuff, and and so he was talking about it, it was. It was really strange to come back. And then they brought out, there's these three young girls that are going to be the main part of the series. And they kind of introduced them and they each said a little thing. And then they showed a trailer for Willow. Then they went off the stage. It was kind of funny because Kathleen Kennedy kept trying to leave the stage. And uh, Yvette kept having to say, "Uh, I need you back here, girl. (laughs) You got to stay with me on this. We have more people to introduce. And, oh, maybe I'm switching the sequence because I think before John Favreau and Dave Filoni left, they brought out a couple other guys that had proposed a script or came up with a pitch that both Favreau and Filoni liked. And they talked about this new show that they're going to, that's going to be coming out called uh, Star Wars Skeleton Crew. And it's going to be a group of young kids that get lost or whatever but they're they have a ship and they're trying to get home or something like that and they didn't show a trailer or they probably don't have any footage or anything like that but they showed a big picture of the like concept art for that and they said yeah it it involves kids but it's 
It's not just a kid's show. It's, it's going to be for everyone. And it sounds like it's going to be live action. So that was kind of interesting. I didn't know they were working on something like that. But they didn't have anybody come out uh, as, as far as cast on that. No, no cast or anything like that. Just the two writers, I guess, for it. And I'm trying to think if there's any other shows that they talked about. Well, they briefly, when, when Favreau and Filoni were out there, they did briefly talk about that they are currently filming the Ahsoka show. They're about three or four weeks into that. Well, four weeks now. It was probably three weeks at the time. And they said, unfortunately, Rosario can't be here. She made it. So they played a little video of her in her Ahsoka costume garb and makeup and everything. And she just, you know, she wished she could be there, but uh, they're in the middle of filming, so she she couldn't be. And, you know, of course, Dave Filoni said that she she couldn't be there. Everybody kind of groaned. And he's like, no, 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 it's a good thing. Because she's busy right now. She's She's on stage acting. She's making the shows for you to watch. And they didn't show a trailer for that at the at the showcase. But they talked about it. And then everybody kind of left. And, you know, the whole stage, they didn't have chairs out or anything like a lot of the panels do. But it was just black curtains, which usually they have some kind of a light display or something like that behind it and on the stage. But it was just black curtains. I thought that was kind of strange. I think so. The last thing was that Kathleen Kennedy came out and she st- started talking about the the legacy of Star Wars and those people that have made it what it is, and it eventually ended up introducing John Williams to the stage. And she said it was his 90th birthday that day, and so they wanted to wish him a happy birthday. And that was really neat to see John Williams. I've never. I mean, of course, I I know what he looks like and I've seen him, but I've never been in the same room with him. And he was as nice as ever and just very grateful. And and then they said, so as a special treat to you, oh, they talked about that he composed the theme for the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And so they said, as a special treat to you, we brought an orchestra here and he's going to conduct this theme for you. And so curtains go up and this whole platform comes out with a full orchestra on it and a little platform for him to lead and they helped him up there you know he's he always kind of had somebody helping him walk around and stuff and they get him up on the platform and he he starts conducting and he plays the theme for obi-wan kenobi and then everybody's cheering and everything and and then he turns around and he he says uh he says, I know this is a Star Wars celebration, but but here's another song that you might know. And he turns around and leads the orchestra, and they start playing the Indiana Jones theme. And everybody goes crazy, you know, with the Indiana Jones theme. And they play the whole thing. And then uh, after the song is done playing, Harrison Ford stepped out. And, of course, everybody goes more crazy. You know, he wasn't grumpy or <laughs> curmudgeon at all. He was very gracious and, and uh, had a lot of nice things to say about John Williams and says he's just a sweet, kind, gentle soul. And then he he said that, but but I always tell John that, that this music follows me everywhere I go. It was playing overhead the last time I had my a colonoscopy. <laughs> 
thought that that was pretty funny. And then he just briefly said, you know, we're just finishing up the, uh, the next Indiana Jones movie. We're excited about it and proud of it. And, uh, then I think Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy had to prompt him to say, you know, the date, give us the dates. When is it going to come out? He's like, oh, the dates. And so it's, I think it's June 30th or something like that, 2023. But did you get the impression that they're still shooting it? Like, did Harrison look like Indy or does he have a beard or is he clean shaven? And uh, No, he looks, he looked clean shaven. They might be in post-production at this point. I'm not quite sure what he said. He just said we're working on finishing up the film. So I don't, I don't know what stage they're in. But behind him, they had like a a picture of Indiana Jones silhouette in shadow kind of thing. You know, probably it's going to be on the movie poster or whatever when he, when he started talking about that. And then I think at that point, everybody left the stage except Kathleen Kennedy and Yvette. And then John Williams was still on the podium and he turned around and played uh, started playing the Imperial March. And that was, so he played three different songs or conducted three different songs. And then it was pretty much goodbye. Everybody was leaving. The the panel was over. But as John came down off the platform and was kind of going off the stage, the audience started singing happy birthday to John Williams. And eventually he recognized, you know, turned around and said thank you or whatever. But, But yeah, just a lot of stuff being thrown in that panel. And then the other thing that they announced was that everybody that was in the panel that it, it was on the celebration stage would were invited to come back. Oh, shoot, I forgot. They did bring out Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, who talked about the Kenobi show, of course, that was going to premiere. Did they bring out Reva as well? They did. They brought out Moses Ingram, who was Reva. I think, and I think again, that was the only, oh, and Deborah Chow was there, the director. Okay. So that might've been one of the first things before Andor. They probably did Obi-Wan first. Forgot about that. (laughs) But anyway, they had announced when they were on stage that we'd like to invite all of you to come back with us tonight and watch the premiere with us because I think it was supposed to go out at midnight or whatever on Thursday night or I guess Friday morning. But uh, they were going to have their premiere there. And so we were all invited. And as soon as they announced that, I was just like, oh, man, that's that's really cool. But that really sucks that Rish and Ryan aren't here. Because that's just one more thing that I'm going to have to tell them that uh, since you guys weren't in the panel. I felt really bad about it. I just, But I didn't know, you know, there was nothing I could do, I guess. But So that's that's that was that panel. And then, yeah, later on. That night, I I did go back and go to the... I guess there was a red carpet thing at the premiere. And I saw the red carpet, but there was nobody there when I walked by. So it must have been just for the first few people that came through. Or, you know, because we all had these huge queue lines. You know, the first people there were in the first queue. And then there was all these different... So I think I was like the fourth queue line to actually go into it. Really? See, because you lined up hours ahead of time, too. Yeah, I was there like an hour and a half or something before. And so so as you walked to the theater, 
they had this whole thing where they gave you a popcorn and you could either get a water or a soda. And they had some of the statues out of the costumes that you could see. And then there was this red carpet area where I guess the stars were at the beginning, but they weren't there when I walked by. So then I, I went and sat down and and sat there for like, it was like a half hour, 40 minutes before the premiere started. And uh, had to listen to the preppers, the stage guys, sit there and promote uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi-style Pringles cans that they were handing out to different people for different things. And I think they had a Star Wars Frosted Flakes thing that they were doing. And But there wasn't, you know, other than watching it on the screen with the cast and crew and being there in a live audience, which was really cool, Ewan McGregor and Deborah Chow got up in the front before they started the screening. And just said a few things, you know, that were they were so grateful to all the cast and crew and all the people that had put in a lot of hard work on the show and that they hoped we'd enjoy it. And then we watched the two episodes back to back and then with the credits in between. <laughs> and it was kind of cool because usually during credits, people aren't cheering. But since a lot of the crew and the people that made the film were there, you know, they were cheering throughout the entire credits of the of the first episode um but then after we watched the second episode after that was finished um they did get all the cast up on stage and they had the little girl that's playing leia she came out and and pretty much all of the cast members uh were up there jimmy smiths came out and they didn't say anything or have a q a or anything they just you know bowed to the crowd and everything and then they said oh we want to take a picture with you all and so somebody came out and they you know, took a picture with the audience in the background. But yeah, I had never been to anything like that, so I didn't know if they were going to do a Q&A or something like that. But that was the big premiere. <laughs> but it was funny because you had said, you had sent me a text and said, hey, they dropped Kenobi early, so we're going to go ahead and watch it. And I was like, yeah, go for it. That's kind of funny that they did it right after the premiere. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was just to be fair to all the other attendees that didn't get to go to that screening or because they knew spoilers would be all over or, yeah, if they were just being nice and they were able to drop it two hours early. But he and I had gone back to the motel room and um, once again, social media was my friend. It told <laughs> me, yeah, that's that's dropping, I think at 9 p.m. or something like that. Yeah, something like so, that. We were watching it when you texted us and said I we got out, but then you were going to walk all the way to Denny's, <laughs> and that's not something that we talked about. But that morning, because like you said, six thirty in the morning we got our our wristband, and the doors didn't open until ten. We tried to come up with something to do because we couldn't drive anywhere, or we'd have to pay seventy dollars instead of thirty five. <laughs> right. But apparently there was a Denny's just down the block. An hour later, we got to Denny's, and uh, you ended up walking to that Denny's again at I did. Night. I just, I, we talked about it that morning, that why don't you turn on your pedometer thing on your phone and find out how many miles you walked today, but... I never did, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was five or six miles that you walked. I'm sure it was, too. It was a lot. Well, my original plan, because I felt so bad that I was going and you guys weren't, that I was like, will you guys just go 
do whatever you want to do and, and don't worry about me. I'll get an Uber back to the hotel. You know, don't worry about it. I, I, you know, you guys do what you want and need to do. But then when I got out of the screening, I looked at my phone and I had only, maybe it was four or 5% left on my phone. I'm like, oh crap, this is going to die really quick. And I don't want to be trying to finesse an Uber and lose it and whatever. So I did end up calling you and saying, hey, can you guys pick me up at the Denny's? <laughs> but I wasn't really in a big hurry. So, cause it was going to take me a while to get to Denny's and then I was hungry. So I was going to get something to eat. So eventually you guys came and picked me up. Yeah. As far as uh, eating goes, you had been on some kind of diet. You and Big Anklevich had been daring each other to only do carnivore. And he and I talked after about the weekend and I felt that he was a bad influence on you because there were certain things you wouldn't eat. And he felt I had been a bad influence on you because there were certain things you would eat. And I, I, th I think the moral of the story is that Big and I can't be friends anymore. But, but yeah, it just it, a convention like this where you're up as soon as the sun comes up and you're out until night, it does not lend itself well to having a very strict, healthy diet. There were all of these food trucks that were lined up. Yeah. And those were pretty much the most convenient things as far as food goes. There were a couple of booths inside where you could get food. And there was a, what did they call that, that section where there were vendors selling sandwiches and stuff? Oh, there, there was like a food court in there, like at Hall A or something like that. But yeah, like if you were a vegetarian or you were a vegan or you were no, no carbing it or something like that, you would have a really, really hard time. And like I said, once you moved your car out of the building, you had to pay again. So who would want to do that? Yeah. You know, I did the best I could and, and tried to, you know, order the things that were, were best. But I had a protein bowl instead of a burrito, but it had rice in it. And I wasn't just going to sit there and not eat. You know, I was hungry. And that was my only lunch that day or whatever. And I think one day we went out to the food trucks and had Chinese. And I got the teriyaki chicken. But it had rice as well, you know. So, you know, I, I and I knew there was no way I was going to be 100% carnivore or anything like that. But uh, I was trying to, you know, play the middle line there and make good choices when I could and but I think by the end of the week, especially the travel home, I pretty much gave in and, and started eating whatever. But. Well, you kind of had to, to keep your body going. Yeah. It was like a workout or something. Uh, at the end of that first day when you were watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, I just filled the bathtub up with as hot of water as I could and then put my feet in it and just soaked <laughs> them. Took a couple of ibuprofen because I was sure my legs would cramp up at night, you know, yeah. and uh, that's how much walking and standing that we did. Yeah, my feet were the worst in the morning, like after I woke up. And when we started going and walking, my feet were hurting pretty bad. But once we got going, I was fine for the rest of the day. But, you know, of course they hurt on and off, but the worst was, was in the mornings for me. It was exercise, and it, there were I, I I didn't get a 
an exact number of how many people there were there that were there but it was tens of thousands uh, it, it probably pushing a hundred thousand people there and uh, for the most part the the attendees were really cool they were patient they were friendly everybody was passionate about star wars yeah there were so many amazing costumes like like every day i would see two or three costumes that were the best cosplay i had ever seen in my life and i've been doing conventions for more than 20 years yeah I, it was astounding stuff people would bring their whole family and dress the whole family up and there was a a, a rex from star tours that a guy had built that was remote control and then he had a little microphone on that would make his voice sound like Rex's. And he, he entertained people that at the end of the day, <laughs> that very first day, my cousin and I just watched him interact with people. And at one point he sort of broke character and he said, Oh, this lady has brought a baby with her to Star Wars Celebration. How weird is that? Why would you bring a baby to something like this? But the thing was, it was coming out in Rex's high-pitched, cartoony voice. So even though he was complaining, it's just like, lady, you don't bring a baby to something like this. It was just really, really funny. But yeah, I thought about that. There were so many people with little kids or that had brought their children and I, I thought about that with my nephews. It's just like, how big of Star Wars fans would those kids have to be to put up with this day in and day out? It, yeah. it, it surprised me. And when we, we won the lottery thing, the, 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 the groups, they said that each person that entered the lottery could get four people in. And I, I remember there was somebody on social media that says, I have five children. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and hopefully he didn't win the lottery, so he never had to cross that bridge. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's something that we talked about is like who in our family loves Star Wars this much to go through this, to spend hour after hour after hour in line. For example, that very first day, we decided to go to the Mandalorian experience. Right, which was really cool there was a line for people that had made reservations and we did try on the app but it said it was full and then there was another line that was for standby and do you remember what the standby line said the wait would be <laughs> 45 minutes i think that's right it said 45 minutes it was just like uh, the indiana jones ride or something at disneyland from this point your wait will be x and so we were just like you know what 45 minutes it took us half that long to get up here or i think that was the basement so i'll, I'll down there and so of course we got in the line <laughs> and yeah people who were pregnant had toddlers by the time they got through that line <laughs> yeah i think we were there for like an hour and a half two hours after we got in the line we finally got into the Mandalorian experience. And part of the problem was they asked us, do you want a picture with the Mandalorian? <laughs> if so, you have to stay in this line. But if you want to skip that, you can go right ahead. So th there was a second very short line for people who didn't care about a picture with the Mandalorian. But none of us knew what the Mandalorian experience was going to be. Right. So of course we wanted a picture with the Mandalorian because what else is there going to be in there? And this thing was like a museum for that show. They had brought 
so many props and costumes and puppets and droids and weapons and animatronics from Mandalorian season one, season two, and the book of Boba Fett, that it was like you were going to the Smithsonian, but just for that. Yeah. Like any character that you can think of, their costume was there. And any character that was a, an alien or a special effect, the, the costume was there, the mask was there, or, or the, the makeup was there. Those droids were there. They had a full-sized animatronic bantha that would move oh its gosh. head and open its mouth. and That was amazing. And it was just astounding. They had droids that would move, and they had the, the N1 starfighter, the Naboo starfighter that Mando built yeah, full scale. in Book of Boba Fett, right there uh, in full size with the cockpit and an animatronic Grogu in the back of the cockpit that would look around and it would wave at people. And I swear there were moments where I was just like, is somebody controlling that? I think it just waved at me. (laughs) That thing was just amazing. And like, you name it, if it was significant in that show, it was there. They had the whole cockpit from the Razorcrest and you could look at that. They had the models that they used for the filming, the special effects, the, the ships and all that. They had, again, like I said, the droids, like every droid, the the fairy droid from the season finale of the first season that was so cool. It was an astromech droid with arms and legs. They had that, the full-size puppet. Then right at the very end, the last thing they had was the full-sized animatronic Rancor head that, uh, you know, they interacted with in the movie and that, that uh, Boba Fett rode in the last episode of the book of Boba Fett. And you could get pictures with all of this stuff. You could look at it and read like the little descriptions and take pictures. I mean, you couldn't touch, but everything else, well, well maybe not taste either. You couldn't taste any of the props, <laughs> but it was like a museum and you could stay there as long as you wanted. And so, yeah, we had to have been in there another hour. Yeah. And it was worth the wait as much as we hated waiting that long. Man, it was worth it. That was so amazing to be there and to see all that stuff. Wow. Yeah, I, it should go on a tour from city to city. People could, you know, get tickets and go. With whatever they charge, it would be worth it. Yeah. Like just one example is they had the full Cad Bane makeup prosthetic mask thing that the actor wore like the teeth, the dentures, and the eyepieces. And you could see the little tiny pinpricks in the center of the eyepieces where the poor actor was able to look out. And the hat and the, the, the you know, the holster and the, the duster and all of that stuff. That astounded me that it was all real. But, you know, that's part of what makes the magic of those shows. Is Yeah, I mean, it was, the Mandalorian experience was, was worth it and i you know because it was in anaheim i think that's why they they were able to pull it off because it was so close to where the sets were and stuff but still that that had to be a massive undertaking to package all that stuff up and bring it to the convention center and set it all up and i'm so glad that they they went through that that was one of the biggest highlights for me for the convention yeah the the thing is all of that stuff that is kept at lucasfilm in like crates and boxes and, and, and shipping containers and all that stuff. Most of that stuff doesn't see the light of day again. 
and it falls apart and it's, you know, it gets dust on it or whatever because those are not meant to last. And so this was like the most complete Star Wars, whatever you call it, not memorabilia, but actual prop, you know, museum display that, that I think you would ever, ever have. Yeah. Most of that stuff, like that Cad Bane outfit is going to go into storage and if they need him in some other show, it'll come out of storage. But the rest of the time, it's just going to be there where no one can see it. And yet we got to walk through and, and, and just take pictures with all of it and listen. And, you know, because they had like music playing the whole time and sound effects. And they'd have the actual Jawa outfits. And every once in a while, that they'd make their little jabbery Jawa sounds and... Same thing with the Bantha, same thing with Grogu, you could hear him cooing, and same thing at the Razorcrest, you could hear all of the sounds that the Razorcrest made. Yep. That was worth going to Celebration for, just that. I'll have to find a website or something where we can dump all our pictures and uh, send a link to people to, to go take a look. And we've posted some of it already, but uh, not the majority of it. So maybe we'll have to do that. I'll have to find a place to dump it. And then we can put all of our pictures there. Yeah, the the picture thing was great. I, I probably took 100 pictures over that weekend. Yeah. I, I would have taken more if I, you know, there, there are things that you want to look at and you don't always think to take a picture. Uh, and then you don't always think to hand your camera to somebody and say, will you take a picture of me on this? But people were so cool to do that. Especially like the cosplayers, the people that had gone all out to look like somebody. The patience that those folks had to pose for picture after picture after picture after picture. The one example that I'm going to use is that there was a girl who was in a full-sized Porg costume. <laughs> so imagine a six-foot-tall Porg that was all furry. And at one point, I, I went up and I, I, I leaned in and I said how many people have hugged you today? And she said, oh God, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny that I, I didn't know it was a girl in there until she spoke. Well, yeah, we could we could do a whole episode just about all the cosplayers because the one that amazed me, well, two of them that really stood out to me was the frog lady from The Mandalorian. We took a picture with her and man, that was amazing. I just It looked like she was right out of the... You know, we'd seen it, seen the, the model there or whatever in the Mandalorian experience, but then here she was walking around the grounds, and uh, that was just amazing. I don't know what it takes to, to build something like that, but such an obscure character. I, but... I don't either, but like the eye alone, I zoomed in on the picture of the eye of the frog lady, and it was multifaceted and like wet like a real frog eye yeah. would be. It was just an amazing cosplay. And again, she didn't mind taking a thousand pictures <laughs> that day, which I think I would. I would just be like, oh gosh, you guys have no idea how heavy this frog head is. I just want to die. Please stop taking pictures. She was just cool. And uh, what was the other one that you wanted to mention? The I'd never seen such a good... Well, I guess I've never seen any, but... The Gamorrean guard that we took a picture with, that was pretty amazing too. That must have taken a lot because it was his eyes in there, but you couldn't tell where the makeup stopped and the mask 
came in. I mean, maybe if I looked really close, but uh, that that Gamorrean guard was was pretty cool. Yeah, the one that I just loved, of course, was Bosk. Oh yeah! Right at the end of the second day, there was Boba Fett and Bosk standing next to each other, and of course, Boba Fett looked great. Honestly, Boba Fett is a dime a dozen. There are so many Boba Fetts, costumes and all that. But I'd never seen a Bosk. And like his mouth opened and closed and he had the great big baggy eyes and the hands. And like even his toes were, you know, curled claws and all that stuff. It was perfect. And I, oh my gosh, I wish that I had that costume and that I could pull it off. Because a lot of times... You can tell it's just like a dumpy guy inside of a costume. Right. <laughs> but Bosk looked like Bosk. You know what I mean? It's like it looked like they hired a six foot three stuntman to play this cosplay character. And maybe they did. Because <laughs> at one point he said, you know, scan this QR code and you can watch me and Boba Fett fight. Oh, yeah. And neither of us scanned the, the, the code, but... Uh, I, I was so happy to get a picture with Bosk and he put me in a headlock for the picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was super cool. That's cool. Um, I'm going to ask us to take a break. Yep. I think and it's a good, good point. come back because we've we've only touched on some of the stuff that we saw. I wanted to talk about a couple of the panels that we went to together. Yeah, we've really only covered the first day, right? <laughs> that's right so um thank you for listening once again i've been rich outfield here with marshall latham support us on patreon if you like that's www.patreon.com forward slash journey into and we will be back as soon as i can get this darn thing edited <laughs> yeah you can also follow rich over at patreon.com slash rich outfield and you can hear you know we talked at the beginning about each of us did a Patreon address, and uh, you can only hear those on Patreon, so go check check those out. And you can email us at journeyintopodcast at gmail.com. Okay, we will talk to you soon. But for now, we, we bid you adieu and uh, wish that the Force will be with you until we come back for our next part of the Star Wars celebration. Fair enough. <laughs> Good night. Deceptions! Creative Commons license will save us. Attribution. Non-commercial. No derivatives. Did you come here to sell my files? Oh, got it. Can see your thoughts. Do you think you can change them? Bo Gullet will learn the truth. Share this with everyone. Save the journey. Save the dream! <laughs> <laughs>